Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you once again for joining us on the program. Uh, last several weeks we've been dealing with the 12th chapter of Revelation. We've been talking about the sun-clothed woman in travail to give birth to a man-child, and it's been such a vast undertaking. I trust you've enjoyed it or understood at least pieces of it. Once again, you can go back uh, to YouTube and watch anything that we have aired to date. It is archived there, excuse me. And you can go back and watch it at your leisure to kind of catch up. I'm not going to take a long time by way of introduction today except to get straight into the Word of God because I want to really unpack this and it may take me more than one more segment to deal with this sun-clothed woman. The, the thing I'm after right now at this particular uh, juncture in what we're teaching is the travail that's upon her. Uh, in the 12th chapter of, of Revelation, it says that there was a great sign in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon was under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. She being with child cried travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, a great red dragon having seven ten heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. His tail drew the third part of the stars of the heaven, did cast him to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be revealed for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Her child was called up to God and to his throne. And we begin to share with you how that this woman is a powerful picture. From Genesis to Revelation, she is a great sign. It is a sign and symbol that has been consistently throughout the Word of God of, a, of, a, of, a, of literally a, a, a woman and a man-child, and a dragon or a serpent ready to devour the seed of this woman. The battle has always been for the seed. What God is giving birth to in this new creation is not orphans, but sons. And so we see the fulfillment, you know, for, of what I showed you how that it began with Eve, but we see her pictured in uh, Egypt when God calls uh, His people, His son out of Egypt, when Herod, or not Herod, but Pharaoh has decreed all the children from two years old and under must die, God preserved to Moses. We see in the days of Herod when uh, Jesus was about to be born that Herod gave a decree that all the children should be destroyed and God told his mother and his father Joseph to flee into Egypt and, and preserved that seed because Jesus would become the seed that would ultimately finish the work on Calvary's cross, bruise the head of a serpent, and defeat the devil, and hand to us a victory that is to be enforced. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Uh, and we, there's so many things that uh, could be said concerning uh, that, but I, I, let, me, let me just uh, read this to you from Romans 16 to show you that that ongoing victory is sustained and followed up in his children. Romans 16 verse 20 says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Hallelujah. So he hands that victory to a people. He hands that victory to a company of sons. We talked about last week how Romans 8 says, There is a travail upon all creation to be brought into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And we talked about how that glorious liberty was the glorious liberty that was being handed to us 
in the new covenant. It was for freedom that Christ set us free and that we need to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. It was the freedom of a new covenant that not only were they being groaning and travailing to be brought into, but all of creation was looking for this same glorious liberty. That's not something out in our future. It's something we should have been enjoying for quite some time. Revelation chapter 2 verse 26 and 27 says, And to him that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. See that? To him that overcometh and keepeth my works. What Jesus did unto the end. To him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. So he hands us that victory and power over the nations because this child in Revelation 12 was destined to rule all nations with a rod of iron. You say, well, I thought that was up for Jesus. It is Jesus. But Jesus is the head and we are the body. This corporate son that has been birthed has a head and a many-membered body. And while Jesus defeated the enemy and handed us the victory, he said, now the God of peace is going to bruise Satan under your heels. Remember that they overcame him in Revelation 12 by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, they overcome by keeping uh, to him that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. What Jesus did is what we stand in. So that, you know, I think about his tail drew a third part of the stars of the heavens. To me, uh, that's speaking of all of history. Anybody that uh, the enemy has been able to lie to and deceive, that he's cast, that his tail has drew the third part of the stars of the heavens. It is him seeking whom he may devour. And whom he may devour are those who don't have a revelation of the authority that has been given to us in the name of Jesus and those that do not have a revelation of the new covenant because the weapon that the enemy had in Colossians Colossians chapter 2 was when Jesus disarmed principalities and powers when he was on the cross and took the handwriting of ordinance. Listen, the handwriting of ordinance, that was the law that was against us. He nailed it to the cross, taking it out of his way. He disarmed principalities and powers. And you, 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 this is amazing to me. We say things like we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, but we really don't have a clue what they are. Satan's weapon right there was the weapon of handwriting of ordinance that was against us. It was the power of condemnation because in, he, in Revelation 12, he is the accuser of the brethren. See, he cannot devour you when you realize that the weapon of condemnation has been taken from him. And Isaiah the prophet prophesied like this. He said, and no weapon formed against you can prosper. And any tongue that rises up against you in judgment or literally could be translated condemnation will be utterly condemned. So that the weapon that is formed against you is the word that is formed against you. Any, any tongue that rises up against you in judgment or condemnation, you will utterly condemn, Isaiah 50 something says. And he says, for your righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So when you know you're the righteousness of God, that weapon that is in the hand of the enemy cannot prosper, will not prosper, and can go no further. Psalm 2 verse 9 said, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like the vessels of a potter 
are broken. Psalm 2, he says, uh, Ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance, the uttermost part of the earth for your possession. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish whilst thou art in the way. And he goes on to say that, uh, uh, Ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen. That was a fulfillment of a messianic prophecy that God promised to his son. And uh, he said, Like the vessels of a potter, they'll be broken into shivers. It is powerful to me that what he's declaring is the ultimate end of God's glory is that the nations of the earth will come and the kings will bring their glory into the brightness of the rising of this, if you will, corporate sun who is arising and shining for your light has already come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In other words, God is doing this through his sons and his daughters. He's arising with light and life so that it will become attractive to the nations of the earth. So uh, Isaiah 66 says this, it says, A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord rendereth recompense to his enemies. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be worn at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Can I tell you that that, that to me is a powerful picture again of Zion, when Zion travails. I shared with you in the last segment that Zion is not just a location in the Middle East. According to Hebrews 12, Sinai is Old Covenant. And Hebrews 12 says, you have come to Mount Zion, and Mount Zion was the New Covenant. You've come to an innumerable company of angels. You've come to the heavenly city. Uh, you have already come there. Uh, you're not marching there. You've already come there in the New Covenant. But when Z Zion travails, she brings forth, shall she bring forth, a nation was born in a day, a holy nation, a new Jerusalem, a new nation, a, a, you know, just the fact that it would say a new Jerusalem would suggest to me that there's an old one. The fact that there is a new covenant declares to me that there is an old one. So one is passing away and the other is coming on the scene. A nation was born in a day. Uh, let, let me, uh, he, he tells you get in Romans 16 that, that uh, the God of peace shall shortly bruise Satan under your heels. Uh, I, if I could, uh, Matthew 24, without going over there. And again, we've used Matthew 24 so much and showed you in the context of Revelation that Revelation, the book of Revelation is really, in my opinion, John's Olivet Discourse. While Matthew, Mark, and Luke each had their version, I believe John's is much more expanded because his is the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus gave that when he stood before the buildings of the temple, and he says, uh, prophesying, looking over Jerusalem, he says, How oft I would have gathered you, as a hen doth gather her chicks, but you would not. Therefore your house is left to you desolate. And then he goes out and he says, do you see all these things? And he's sitting there on the Mount of Olives looking at the temple. And he says, do you see all these things? Not one stone is going to be left on another that's not going to be thrown down. He's talking to his contemporaries. He's talking to people who were alive and well right then in front of them. And he's saying there's going to come wars. There's going to come rumors of wars. There's going to come famines. 
And there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be famines. They're going to deliver you up to be killed. Nation is going to rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And what we do with that is we take it completely out of the context of the audience that Jesus was speaking to. And the moment there's an earthquake, and we just had one this week in Nepal, and I, that's what I'm filming. This is during this, you know, Kathmandu. And, uh, you know, I, and, and it's amazing to me how the prophecy guys raise their heads again, and this is the judgment of God, and these are the signs of the times. They are not the signs of the times. Jesus was telling this generation what sign and what times they were living in because they said, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world, which is literally the end of the age. And it was not the end of this age. It was the end of the age of the law. Jesus answers their questions when they said, when will these things be? In verse 34, Matthew 24, when he says, this generation will not pass away until all these things have been fulfilled, including the famines, the earthquakes, tribulations such as was not since the world began, or will ever be. I heard somebody say recently, no, that generation is the generation that's alive when the fig tree blossoms. Well, if that's the case then, in context, Matthew 23, the latter part says that all of these woes that Jesus prophesied, woe to you scribes, Pharisees, that upon you will come the blood of all of the judgment for the blood of all that were slain upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias. All of this will come upon this generation. Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 23. It will come on this generation. Now let me tell you that it came upon that generation and these things in Revelation that we've already shared with you came upon that generation so that these judgments are not in your future. They were the fulfillment of God's end of the covenant bargain to apostate Israel because they were under law. You and I are not under law. We are under grace. And so everything that he said, he, the sign was that he said to them, uh, when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, that's when you know it's near even at the door. But as he begins to lay this stuff out and he says, you're going to be delivered up to be killed. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be uh, uh, father turned against mother. There's going to be tribulation such as was not wars, rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for the end is not yet. King James Bible says this. It says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. But here's how the NIV and some of the other translations said it. It says, verse 7, this is Matthew 24, verse 7 and 8. It said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now that's powerful because they're not just the beginning of sorrows with no purpose. They are the beginning of birth pains. And they were the beginnings of the birth pains of a messianic age, or if you will, a messianic rule of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was coming on the scene. It was the beginning of a new covenant era or the beginning of a new covenant age. And second, or Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 3, it says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman, and they shall not escape. Can I tell you that whenever the king or the armies of Titus came against Jerusalem in 66 AD, and they seemingly backed up for no reason, there was an incredible sense of safety and peace. And they thought 
deceptively that they were okay, but when they cried peace and safety, sudden destruction was about to come upon those apostate Jews and Israel and Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. But yet in the destruction of that system, God was about to give birth to a messianic kingdom and he was about to give birth to a brand new uh, age uh, wherein dwelled righteousness. In other words, there was a kingdom, uh, there was a season of, of, of birthing that Zion was now travailing. She was bringing forth sons. There was a new period, a new era coming on the scene and uh, uh, God was giving birth to at that particular season in time and then God was about to hand dominion over to his people. Ephesians 1 verse 21 says, far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominion and every name that is named, uh, not only in this world but also in the world that's come, hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, which fills all in all. God gave authority to his believers at the moment of this massive birthing of a brand new day, a, a messianic kingdom that would never be destroyed. Let me also take you quickly and show you, let me see if I can get this quickly. Uh, uh, hallelujah. Uh, let, let, me, let me just jump ahead here and just show you. The book of Daniel also declares, let me just get this real quick. The book of Daniel declares and uh, chapter 12, verse 11 says, and, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that makes desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused him before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. It was during this period of time then that the serpent, verse 15 says, the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by a flood and the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood that came out of the woman's mouth. But it says in Revelation chapter 12 that the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared for her that she should, they should feed her there for a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Times, times, and a half a times is used over and over and over at the latter part of this book of Revelation. That's used in the book of Daniel. 1260 days from the time that the daily sacrifice ceased. Uh, that it, I believe it was in, in the, uh, I believe it was in the spring. I, get, I forget the exact date, but exact, it works out to be exactly 1290 days. That from the time that the daily sacrifice ceased, when the Jews refused to offer this daily sacrifice for the Roman government, it was, it, was, it was understood to be an act of war. From that moment on, war was determined upon the holy people. And God was about to allow the Roman Empire to come in and flood this nation. They were the beast of Revelation, the 13th chapter, and we'll get into that in one of our next segments and talk about who they were. But I'm simply after this idea, this dragon, which was Satan, gave his power and his strength to this Roman dragon that uh, has seven heads and ten horns to destroy this woman. And she was persecuted for exactly 42 months, 
three and a half years times times, and a half a times 1260 days. All of those are same numbers that are used uh, both in the book of Revelation and also in the book of Daniel. But what I want you to see was, uh, let me see if I can find it real quickly in my notes. I've got my notes laying everywhere here. But in the book of Daniel, that, that from the time that the daily sacrifice ceases, that there would be uh, 1290 days. Now go also, if you will, uh, to Daniel the seventh chapter. If we could look at this, and I want to look at it, I think from, uh, yeah, Daniel the seventh chapter. And we're going to look at the uh, 25th verse. Now, if you go back and you read uh, all of these, let me, let me just read it to you. I think I've got time here to read it in the Amplified Bible. It says, uh, uh, and I'm going to read it because it makes it easy to understand who these kings are. And Daniel 7, verse 1 says, And the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions in his head as he was lying upon his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the gist of the matter. Daniel said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens. Political and social agitations were stirring up against the great, up the great sea, the nations of the world. That's what the great sea represented. And the four great beasts came up out of the sea in succession and different from one another. The first was the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar, was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I looked till the wings of it were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon two feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, this was according to the Amplified Bible, the Medo-Persian Empire was like a bear and it raised up itself on one side or one dominion and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth and it was told to arise and devour much flesh. This was Darius the Mede the, under the, the Persian, Medo-Persian. It says, after this I looked and behold, another uh, one arose, and this is the Grecian Empire of Alexander the Great, like a leopard, which had four wings of a bird on its back. The beast also had four heads, which represented Alexander's generals, his successors, and dominion was given to it. Now, you can get this by simply reading it in the Amplified Bible, so if you're not getting the details, no problem. And this I saw in the night vision, behold, a fourth beast, the Roman Empire was terrible, powerful, dreadful, and exceedingly strong, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled what was left with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that came before it, and it had ten horns symbolizing ten kings. I considered the horns. Behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man. I kept looking until thrones were placed for the assessors with the judge, and the Ancient of Days, the God of the Eternal Father, took his seat, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like fiery flame. Its wheels were like burning fire, and a stream of fire came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered to him, and ten thousand times ten thousand rose up and stood before him. The judge was seated, the court was in session, and the books were open. And I looked then because of the sound of the great words which the horn was speaking, and I watched until the beast was slain, his body destroyed and given to be burned with fire. And the rest of the beasts and their power and dominion was taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a duration of a fixed time for a season and a time. Uh, verse, let me skip down just a little bit. Verse 14, there was given him uh, the Messiah, there was given the Messiah dominion and glory, kingdom, and all people, nations, and languages should, her, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and the kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, uh, my spirit was grieved, became anxious within me. Uh, let, me, let me go on down real, real quick, but verse, uh, verse number uh, 17 said, These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High God shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever. 
Then I wished to know the truth about the four beasts, which was different from all the others, that was terrible and shocking, whose teeth were iron, bronze, and so on, and about the ten kings, and so on. Uh, but verse 22 said, Until the Ancient of Days came. Well, let me back up. It says in verse 21, As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. That is in fulfillment of Revelation verse 13, 7 through 9. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus the angel said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom of the earth, which was Rome. And all the other kingdoms shall devour the whole earth and tread it down, break it pieces, and crush it. As for the ten horns out of, the ten king, uh, out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be different from the former ones, and he shall subdue and put down three. He shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times of the sacred feasts and holy days and the law. And the saints shall be given into his hand for a times, times, and half a time, or three and a half years. This is in fulfillment of the time the woman is in the wilderness. It is in fulfillment of the time that the beast wore out the saints in Revelation chapter 13. This is the times, times and a half times. This is the 1260 days where the woman is hid in the wilderness when the Romans are attacking and God kept them in the wilderness and carried them on eagle wings. But I love this, but the judgment shall set by the court of the Most High and they shall take away his dominion to consume it gradually and destroy it suddenly in the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts troubled and alarmed me much, and cheerfulness of countenance was changed in me, but I kept the matter of the interpreting angel's information in my heart and in my mind. This 1260 days, this 42 months, this, this times, times, and a half times is the exact same one that's in the book of Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 12. It is the 42 months where the Romans trampled underfoot the outer court of the temple of the times of the Gentiles in Revelation chapter 11. It is the same period of time of the last three and a half years of the scope of Jesus' messianic prophecy and Matthew 24. It is the last three and a half years of that generation that was under such siege by this dragon and by this, uh, this beast of Rome that the dragon had given its power to. But here's the good news. At th that time, the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. What I'm trying to tell you is there was a messianic rebirth of the world that came 2,000 years ago. God handed dominion to his people. Ephesians says it, Galatians says it, Romans says it. We should be operating in authority that's not somewhere out in our future. It was during the days of those kings that God handed the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven to the people of the saints of the Most High God. What are we going to do with this dominion? We must exercise it. That's what I submit to you. Something was birthed 2,000 years ago that we should be walking in right now. This stuff's not in our future, it's in our past. I'm out of time. God bless you. Call that number on the screen and sow seed into the ministry. God bless. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.